Welcome to Watch the presented by the Nation Network. I'm your host, Sam Blazer, and I'm here for this journey of a podcast over the next few months or so. Um, I'll be joined by my co-host, Adam Lascaris, in a little bit, but first, I'm going to give you a little bit of an opening spiel about what we're going to be doing with this podcast and what our uh, goals are. With this podcast, Watch the Game, we want to talk about uh, numbers happening in the NHL. Obviously, being hosted on NHL numbers, that is going to be a key part of what we're trying to convey to you, the listeners. We're going to be trying to have bloggers, national writers, uh, hopefully players at some point in time, so we can talk about what is going on in hockey and what is going on in the world of advanced stats. And uh, even, you know, our people that aren't interested in advanced stats, we want to be able to discuss with them what they think about that idea and what they're able to, you know, discuss within that realm. But I guess it is time to bring on my co-host, Adam Lascaris. Adam, you're patiently waiting over there. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty well, Sam. How are you doing today? Good, good. You know, it's a rainy, dreary uh, Wednesday morning here in Columbus, Ohio. So, you know, I guess that's not necessarily hockey weather. It's more college football weather. But uh, I'm digging on it. Um, and now Adam's going to be recording from Toronto, uh, Canada. On Toronto, Ontario. I apologize. I need to, uh, you know, get my provinces straight. Is that right? And um, I'm here in Columbus. So he's, you know, big major media market. I'm, you know, tiny media market. So, you know, there's there's some differences here, right? right uh, yeah, I'm actually a couple hundred uh, miles down the road in Kingston, Ontario. But uh, no worries about that one. Well, you know, now, now you're now, yeah. I was gonna say now you're ruining the narrative. I'm yeah, to say no. That's uh, Toronto will be there next week, but uh, right now, uh, right now, just in a good old uh, Ontario Hockey League town. Um, but yeah, I know the Frontenacs. The Frontenacs, yeah, they're uh, season. What the hell is a Frontenac? Um, it's a, uh, it's a long story. It's basically, uh, <laughs> you, you know, those, you know, those like well, you being in Columbus, you know how there's always a like a civil war general that some random streets named after it's the same kind of idea but with uh it's a canadian canadian historical thing and uh there's a frontenac region which is where kingston is in and uh the, there's about seven different things called frontenac in kingston so um yeah i i was i was getting ready for like you know i was gonna have to strap in and you're gonna have to tell me this like long-winded story but it's actually pretty simple uh but i guess we can you know get rid of the pleasantries and we can move forward to talking about some hockey uh you know one of the main topics right now at least that i want to cover is the world cup of hockey and um how exciting or you know in some people's opinion um how much it lacked excitement uh what are your surprises and disappointments as far adam um well i think uh one of the biggest surprises i guess uh, has been uh I don't know if it's as much a surprise, but it's more of a uh, more of a thing that I thought would happen coming in, and I think definitely has happened. Is that people are still definitely uh, very interested in the games, uh, very interested in the results, very interested in seeing how their players, favorite players, will do. Uh, there was a lot of talk before the tournament about uh, people wouldn't be excited, people wouldn't be trying hard, um, and I know it's something we chatted about the other day briefly. But I think uh, I think it's definitely been some high level hockey, and there's been no. Um, you know, there's been no people taking shifts, shifts off, taking games off. Every game's been, um, if not close to the entirety of it, at least it's been, uh, you can tell that it's been competitive. And so I think that's been a, that's been a major, uh, major plus for me. What about you? You know, I've liked a lot of what I've seen thus far. Obviously, being an American, uh, Team USA did disappoint in a whole awful lot. But uh, Team North America was an absolute revelation, I think, 
everybody watching it uh, can realize and you know uh, I mean they obviously not every single team can do this everyone wants uh, uh, their team to be open and freewheeling but you know having the personnel that Team North America did that was absolute joy to watch you had defensemen that were able to cover for people you had forwards that you know on a dime could uh, change the game and that's just an exciting brand of hockey to, to take in and of course you have uh, you know Team Canada who's absolutely dominating and as of this recording, you know, game one is already over and done with. They defeated Team Europe. But um, is, is there a player in particular that like, that you enjoyed? I, I know that uh, Brad Marchand is a player that, you know, you and I were talking off talking about off mic that you're a big fan of. Yeah, well, I, I, I think uh, I wouldn't say that I'm a big fan of him personally, uh, you know, having some, uh, some history there with him in Toronto. But I think he's definitely been... Uh, He's been one of the most exciting players to watch in the in- entire tourney. Uh, he's, you know, had a couple of, uh, had a couple of key moments. His uh, statistics throughout the tournament currently, um, you know, th- through his five games, he's picked up uh, seven points, four goals, and I think that's, uh, I think it's been, you know, a, a real uh, coming out party for him in a sense. Uh, a lot of people online, hockey Twitter, um, you know, just general fans of the game, they've definitely seen him develop over the past couple of years and sure he's definitely uh benefited greatly from playing with Patrice Bergeron but he's also proven himself uh you know definitely a capable first line talent and I think it's been uh it's been sort of one of those surprises in uh, international hockey when you never know who the hero is going to be and uh right now like Crosby and Bergeron are both players you expect to have great tournaments but uh Ryan Marchand sort of coming in on a bit of a bigger stage than he's used to um, he's definitely excelled in the role, and uh, I think it's uh, I think it's something to be celebrated for sure. Now, a player that I uh, was uh, thoroughly impressed with was Nathan McKinnon. He was a player that you know I knew a little bit about beforehand. Obviously, you know, coming into the league, highly drafted, you know, you're going to have a better understanding of his skill set and what he's able to do. Um, but in the World Cup of Hockey, the, the, he absolutely dominated. It was outstanding to see what he was able to do, and especially how he was able to, uh, at least on one certain play, he was able to fool uh, Henrik Lundqvist. I think overall, being able to move forward into the season, I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do with uh, Jared Bednar behind uh, the bench and hopefully how they're going to be able to do possession-wise because, you know, as you and I both know, you know, being tapped in a little bit to what's happening in the NHL and uh the numbers surrounding it, uh, the Avalanche weren't very good, <laughs> and they—I feel like that they are one of the few teams this year that could, you know, uh, absolutely flip a position from you know being a middling club to possibly being uh, a contender in the West if things go correctly. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, the thing about Nathan McKinnon is he—he uh, he had. Uh, if you look back at his rookie year, he had an exceptional rookie year. You know, he—he uh, he dominated. Uh, throughout the entirety of the season, I think, and uh, coming into that coming to that first round of the playoffs against uh, Minnesota, he put up uh, 10 points in seven games, which for a rookie is quite remarkable. So I think a lot of people were, um, were a bit surprised to see how dominant he was, but at the same time, maybe they were just overlooking him in a sense because he was a first overall pick. Maybe people were looking, you know, for the, um, for the Austin Matthews or the... Uh, Jack Eichels of the team, the Connor McDavid's, but I think uh, the way that McKinnon played in this tournament, uh, it's not, it's not like he he's incapable of that. He's definitely shown that at the NHL level. He's shown that at just about every level that he's played at, and I think people forget 
how good a player he is just because he's been on a team that's been highly unsuccessful and they, they weren't contending for the playoffs and his numbers dipped a little bit in his uh, in his second year in the league and but just seeing him I'd, I'd always been a fan of him going back to junior and uh, seeing him perform on that stage wasn't overly surprising but it was it was definitely um, it was definitely redeeming for him I think just to be able to to show to the league that yeah I'm uh, I'm definitely still around I'm definitely still here and uh, Colorado does I don't know if they have the brightest future but they they still have a, a pretty solid core of, of young players and it'll be interesting to see if uh, like you said if they are able to turn it around now, you brought up Austin Matthews. Um, we're actually going to be talking to Leafs writer, um, a Nation Network compadre, uh, Jeff Vayette, in a little bit here to talk about the World Cup of Hockey as he's been covering it every step of the way. Um, but I'd actually like to transition from the World Cup of Hockey and talk a little bit about the other big news um, happening with Jacob Truba. Uh, he's demanded a trade from Winnipeg. Uh, Obviously, some people in Winnipeg are unhappy about that because of his standing as a prospect and, you know, almost an inferiority complex that the, the town itself holds. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on the trade request? What are your thoughts on the player itself? Is there going to be a way that they're going to, uh, you know, resolve this? Or is this just going to be an ongoing dispute until um, he's traded? Because from what it sounds like, they're going to be willing to hold out uh, possibly in, into uh you know, October, November, December. What were your thoughts, Adam? Yeah, I think uh, the Truba one. Uh, it's definitely, it's definitely a situation that's drawn comparables to Jonathan Drouin, and uh, it's definitely a tough situation all around. Just because uh, all the numbers show that Truba is a really talented defenseman, one of the best defensemen um, in his age bracket, and he's the kind of guy who, uh, yes, he's still young in his career, but. He's uh, he's shown he's shown himself that uh, he can definitely be a uh, definitely be a top pairing guy in this league. And I think the main thing is, uh, you know, he says he doesn't think he'll be able to get that in Winnipeg, and he sort of uh, you know forced management's hand in a sense, uh, showing them that he really uh, really thinks that he's got he's got bigger and better places to go. But at the same time, um, you know, if if Winnipeg doesn't get the uh, correct correct deal for him I don't think they're going to be willing to just ship him out there for nothing uh so I wouldn't be surprised to see uh to see him you know sit sit a little bit um and I think I think it's going to be interesting because I don't think they'll necessarily just do a quick one-for-one kind of deal um just because I don't know if the other teams would be willing to um willing to give up you know such a such a lofty return you're going to be looking at only a certain few number of defensemen, names like Campus Lindholm, um, that have been tossed out there. And I don't know if that, that deal is ever going to actualize, but I think it's going to be, uh, if there's a package that's going to be out there that's for Truba, it's definitely going to be a pretty large package. And it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a simple scenario. That's all I, all I can think. I don't think it's going to get resolved, you know, today or tomorrow. I think we're still, we've still got, um, at least a few weeks before, uh, something gets materialized. Well, that was one of the things that uh, Bob McKenzie and company uh, said in regards to the uh, you know trade demand and what ha- what uh, Winnipeg is going to be looking for. It they're going to be looking for a similar aged left-handed defenseman. And when you're looking out there for those type of players, they're few and far between. You know, there's probably like three or four deals around the league that could actually take place. Um, I mean, are there t- certain teams that you think 
that could you know make a deal for him i know a lot of people in detroit and you know you and i write for uh, wings nation so we see it a fair amount um that the red wings think that they have a chance at jacob truba i think another club that's interesting at least because they're weak on the blue line is uh the boston bruins uh, they need reinforcements like nobody's business large american market jacob truba could fit in there you know like a glove what are your thoughts um on certain teams yeah well i think um i think the thing is like i've just knowing from the Nation Network and, you know, just scrolling through Twitter, it seems like every every single team uh, is at least thinking about it. You know, they're at least thinking, you know, if we can give up our, if we can give up one of our players, uh, would would the uh, would the Jets bite on that? And uh, so I think it's, you know, it, it's always a tough, it's always a tough thing when a player, player like this gets their name floated around and uh, trade rumors. And I guess this time it's, it's more than rumors if there's a formal trade request been filed, but um, I think the biggest thing with with the fit is uh, we can talk all we want about you know player A for player B, uh, you know how if we're gonna construct this package or that package, but at the same time, um, I think it's one of those situations where there's no one clear suitor, there's no you know one obvious deal. Um, and it's different because it's it's not like a trade deadline sort of scenario when you can see how teams are doing at the end of the year. Um, like when you're taking on a player like Truba, it's definitely you're looking at him as a long term a long term guy in your in your organization. And um, I think a lot of teams are really almost all 29 teams are going to be taking a look and say, hey, can we fit this guy into our future? Um, just because he's he is that kind of guy that that any team really could use at in some place in their lineup. So. I don't know if there's any any favorites out there just because I think every general manager will at least be considering it. If you have the package, I, I assume that you're going to try to make a run at him just because of the kind of player that he is, the kind of possession numbers that he puts up. It's just you don't see that kind of player come along very often. And if even if you you know lowball him or you know add in a somewhat veteran of a player to put it in there, you're going to try to make that happen. And the the you know wild card aspect of the deal itself is uh, extending Truba. <laughs> you got to be able to put him in under your cap. You have to be able to make him work with whatever you have there. Uh, it's not going to be an overnight. Uh, deal. There's, this is going to be weeks in the making. This is going to be players being evaluated, uh, what they look like now, uh, certain players in the league. Because if you're going to you know, trade for, say, like a Morgan Riley and a pick or two, um, you have to see what Morgan Riley looks like now after having some confidence in the World Cup of Hockey, seeing what he's going to be able to do on a team uh, guided, guided by Mike Babcock. That's just something that, you know, you have to do for your due diligence sake. You can't just walk in there without any, um, uh, you know, scouting report. So I, I'm interested to see where they're going uh, to take him, uh, or at least trade him, and if it, the trade's even going to take place. Because Kevin Sheveldayoff is not someone to you know make a hasty move. He's going to do. He's going to take his time and make sure that the right deal is uh, there for him. Now, with all that being said, I guess this is as good as time as any to uh, transition you to our interview with Jeff Fayette. We'll be right back. And we're back, and we're joined by the managing editor of the Leafs Nation, managing editor of content at the Nation Network, Jeff Fayette. Jeff, how you doing today, buddy? Uh, really tired, but otherwise uh, super good. 
I was about to say, you've had like a super, super busy past couple of weeks. Um, Adam's got the first question for you. Yeah, I guess uh, you could just start it off with uh, overall, what do you think is the best part um, about the World Cup of Hockey that you've seen so far? Um, I, I have to go with the easy answer, and it's uh, it's Team North America. It was just so, so fun. Um, they gave me a few minutes a few days even where uh, where I believed in hockey again. Uh, they were they, they were so entertaining in the way they played and the way they were reacting. Um, they gave they gave the tournament a lot of hope. And I think Team Europe did the same thing, too. It's weird how uh, the teams that everyone wrote off as uh, as gimmicks ended up being the most entertaining part of it, both from a hockey standpoint and the storyline standpoint. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely go with the gimmick teams. You know, that there's a T-shirt waiting right there, uh, Make Hockey Great Again in the North America font there. That's that's something that you got to uh, jump on there, Jeff. Uh, but, you know, you've been covering the the World Cup as media there. You know, is there anything behind the scenes? What's the best part about covering it thus far? Anything surprising? Um, what, what, what is the overall feel of the tournament thus far? Um, well, I mean, I mean, the best part of it is definitely the food vouchers. I'm not even going to lie. I've, uh, I've had way too much. I, I, I've got arena sushi down to a science, the game where, uh, the game, the days where you'd have two games, they give you 40 bucks worth of credit. And I figured out exactly what that gets me at the sushi booth. Um, they were very impressed when they realized that I was doing $40, exactly $40 every day. But, um, just, uh, yeah, that's the most me answer of all time. Um, as far as the behind-the-scenes atmosphere, I don't know. It's not really as uh, as different as I'd expect it to be. Obviously, a few more of uh, the the bigger names have come to the show, but uh, but it's just a really, really immense uh, get-together of media types. I guess you have uh, you have a lot of people coming in from outside of of North America, uh, which is a vibe that this tournament's had in general. I think a lot of European fans, media, et cetera, came in thinking that this would have the same kind of um, level of attention and level of excitement as the Olympics or what the World Championships is to them. Um, unfortunately, we've given it the same excitement that the, we give the World Championships here. Um, but... But yeah, it's it's there's a lot of there's a huge quantity of people. Um, things like uh, things like talking to players. It's uh, it's interesting. They have everyone come out in like individual pods. Um, a lot of them come out at the same time, so you have to pick the scrum that you're going to be in, or you need to like run around in circles trying to get a few seconds from one guy, a few seconds from another. Um, it's it's a really it's a it's a unique atmosphere, but it's also still business as usual, just a bigger scope. For sure, for sure. And I guess uh, yeah, you could talk a bit about. Do you feel do you feel like there's anything the NHL um, should have done differently? Do you feel like the the format's a fair format, or do you feel like it's uh, it's a pretty unforgiving one? Um, I don't know if necessary if unforgiving is the word. I think they had a set outcome in mind. I think they really thought this was going to be a Canada US final. Um, ju- just the way that you, you just the way they had it so that the semis would have a crossover. So that way those two would split their pools in theory and then come back together for the finals. You can tell that that was kind of uh, what they had in mind. Obviously, Team USA was uh, very much not a uh, a knockout contending team, to say the least. Um, so that kind of backfired on them. So as a result, yeah, it was it was super unforgiving. Look, you have Team North America who won two games and had their tournament ended early because of the fact that they won one of them in overtime. Um, 
it's it, it's not it, it's it's not easy for for a lot of these for a lot of these teams. You get three games to prove yourself, and half half of them get removed. It's um, it could have been done significantly differently if they wanted a fair result. Unfortunately, I don't think a fair result was ever really going to be possible just due to the uh, the gap between Team Canada and the field. Um, but yeah, there are ways that it could have been made more efficient. It might require a serious reconfiguring of what this tournament is the next time they do it. Um, in the meantime, this is probably about the best matchup they could have got, uh, all things considered anyway. So it, it's not ideal from a marketing perspective, from a hockey perspective. It's about as close as they were going to get anyway. For sure. And, uh, you know, expanding on the reconfiguration, uh, a lot of people are already talking about the 2020 World Cup. Um, what's going to what's going to be happening there? Um, Alan Walsh yesterday, uh, player agent, talked about you know book the uh, the lockout happening then. Um, what do you expect happening in the World Cup in 2020? Is there anything in particular that you think they're going to refine? Is there anything there that you think that they're not going to change? Well, I think what I would expect and what I would want would be two entirely different things. The uh, the indication. Uh, from Gary Bettman yesterday in his press conference was that it is a tournament that they've been very happy with the results of. Ultimately, I don't think they could have done this in another city and had the same um, same level of hype, which is not a great thing considering the hype here isn't exactly huge either. Um, I, from the looks of it, we won't see the two. We won't see the two bonus teams next time. Uh, that seemed to be more of a we we did this tournament on short notice, so we need two teams more than it was something that they actually wanted to do. I think they will uh, f- look at getting two teams to qualify for those two spots uh, in the next tournament. Uh, I don't know if it's the format I necessarily like though, uh, just because. I don't think there's a way to find a result other than Canada winning for the foreseeable future. As far as how I would do it, I've seen I've seen a couple of different cool ideas of how you can approach this tournament. Uh, one one that's been going around a lot is just to throw the tournament idea out the window and just make it a Canada versus the rest of the World Summit Series. Uh, it's interesting, but I, I don't know if uh, if the rest of the world is truly gonna buy into it, especially their. Uh, the, the American viewers uh, and I think that's uh, that's a high priority for the for, uh, for the league um, but I don't know there's some there, there's some ways to mess with it I think one idea that'd be interesting if you want to kind of make team Canada a little weaker for example is there could be like a quote-unquote Canada Cup beforehand where you have four teams you have uh, Ontario Quebec Eastern Canada and Western Canada you have them playing a bit of a tournament the winner of that goes on to the World Cup, um, or they go on to take uh, the world or or Europe or whoever in a in a Summit Series like situ- uh, situation. Um, I would love to see North America and Europe come back. Uh, I think that those are the, the, that those were two shining spots in the tournament. I think North America was super super fun to watch. Uh, the issue, of course, being that their three best players will. I'll still be members of that team next time around because they're all 18 and 19. And I'm not sure how much McDavid, Matthews, and Eichel want to play on the team again. But the idea itself is really cool. And obviously, um, 
I can't understate how important Team Europe is to those players. Uh, for for so many of them, it was it's their only real chance to be competitive. Like Switzerland, obviously has played some very decent hockey against some big countries for a long time, and they could probably not necessarily hold their own. I think they'd be the worst team in the tournament still, but they could not be embarrassed if they win in individually. But for everybody else, this was their shot to to do something and to and to make some noise on the international scale and they have they certainly impressed a lot of people and it'd be really nice to see them again um the good thing is we're looking at this being four years out it's not uh it's not something that they need to decide the format on tomorrow but if i'm the league i i I step back a bit and i try to get really creative with this and try to do something really different with it the next time around and i guess you can talk about uh you know obviously the uh the threat of uh, the NHL stepping away from the Olympics is there. And I think it's, uh, it's definitely a thing that a lot of people said, Oh, they'll figure it out. But now, you know, we're, we're still pretty unsure. And you, you look at some of the things that Batman's been saying and people are, uh, people are saying that maybe, maybe, you know, this is, this is it, this is all we're going to have for uh, best on best international hockey. Do you feel like that's uh, do you feel like that's a problem at all? Or what are your views on that? I don't, I don't know. It's, it's really, it's, it's difficult to look at. Cause like, as much as we want to pride over the Olympics, the Olympics aren't exactly something to pride over. The IOC is not the greatest of organizations. Um, the league obviously doesn't make very much money being there. There is that element of, oh, I get to participate just like all these athletes too for the players, of course. But uh, but it still leads to it still leads to pretty predictable results. We're still waiting. We we still wait for the knockout stages before any of it really matters. Um, I look back at Sochi and I have trouble looking back at Sochi just because it just dragged on. It was very, very predictable. I don't really remember. I honestly don't really remember much of Canada uh, in that tournament just because it was it was cruise control all the way. I don't know if that's necessarily a better model or if we just give it more respect because of because of the name attached to it. And and that's the problem hockey has. It's not soccer where you have a lot of countries that are competitive and can make some noise and can make a best on best tournament very interesting. Uh, we are we, we've somehow taken a step back where the powerhouses are extremely strong uh, in the hockey world right now. And while there are very quality players coming from other countries, they simply don't have the depth. And when you have a situation like players dropping out because of injury or quote unquote injury uh, before a tournament, that that uh, exaggerates the issue, too. Um, as you can see, Canada had no problem replacing their guys. But a team like the, the Czechs may as well have just uh, folded and gone home the second that uh, that guy started leaving the same with the Americans. Um, mind you, the Americans kind of messed that up for themselves, too. That's a different story altogether. Um you're hurting me, Jeff. It's it's well, they they did it first. Um, <laughs> the the reality is creating a fair, close, best on best tournament in hockey right now is next to impossible. Uh, it would be very nice to get back to a to a level where everybody is super close and competitive with each other. But it, right now it's it, right now it's Canada versus the field. And I don't think that it being the Olympics or the World Cup or whatever changes that very much. Um, the only thing that really changes by by changing the tournament is how much money the league gets. So this is probably better for the National Hockey League. And I don't think anything makes a difference for the state of international hockey right now. Now, switching gears a little bit, 
you know, the U.S. for all their, you know, mess ups this uh, time around at the World Cup of Hockey, they've had some of the top uh, few draft picks the past uh, couple of years. And so I think this begs the question, how do you feel about uh, Canada's development overall and how they're bringing along players? Uh, Do you think that there's going to be a chance that they're lapped? Um, uh, you know, on the uh, international stage in the coming years, or do you think that this is just going to be a powerhouse that you know it's it's going to be there until you until hockey is done? <laughs> um, well, obviously the lighter is kind of hard to say, but I think I, I think they've still got a lot of gas in this uh, dynastic tank. Uh, for now, the uh, the reality is they don't really need a lot of like the super ultra mega star talent to keep coming through. Canada excels because they have they have a lot of players that are in the conversation of being among the best, and they have so many of those guys. It's not so much that they have a Sidney Crosby as it is they have four thousand uh, Ryan Getzlaffs. Uh, they uh, they are never short of of being able to take in a star player and put them on the fourth line, which is I think more important to them and the extremely um, borderline boring, super systematic, but ultimately always working uh, system that they use of basically just cycling, running the perimeter, taking a shot, getting a rebound. Um, hey, it, it, it wins games, but it's also sleep inducing. But because they have uh, because they have so much of that just good enough star talent to uh, contain it and maintain it and prey on teams that don't have the depth, um, that's what's going to get them success. Um Ultimately, they, they do need to hope for a, a few of the megastars to keep coming through. But I mean, Connor McDavid is already making the case for being the best player in the world, and he's not even in his 20s yet. Um, Nolan Patrick's coming up in a few years, and they, they always seem to find uh, their their uh, their marquee guy. Obviously, the Americans have Matthews and Eichel right now, who will probably end up being the best and the second best American player of all time, um, and that's great for them. Uh, but they need to continuously keep developing star talent. And the same applies uh, to a lot of countries as well. Like Sweden obviously has the defense, but their forwards, while good, still don't come to that same level of depth. And that's what's going to win a tournament. And I think that's what secures us for Canada for the foreseeable future. So talking about the uh, future best American player of all time, a bit of a bit of a lofty, uh, lofty goal there. But um, anyway, he's starting, you know, in just a few days, uh, Austin Matthews is going to start playing in the NHL. And uh, the Leafs are definitely going to be an interesting uh, team to watch. Just talk a bit about, you know, uh, your role in uh, covering the team this year and how uh, what, what you think, you know, the expectations are for the Leafs and uh, what you think uh, the year is going to be like as a whole. Um, well, I mean, my role is just to talk about the team. I don't think there's really much to talk about there. But uh, the the Leafs are a very interesting team. Uh, I uh, the the expectation uh, that you can see around the city is that nobody really knows what the expectation is. Uh, there are some people who think that the team is still a lottery team and are looking towards who they can pick in those first few picks. I think that's a little. Uh, a little bit on the extremely pessimistic side. Um, there are some who think that this could be a playoff team. Uh, I'm, I'm probably leaning a little bit closer to that boat. 
uh, obviously bringing in guys like Matthews, like Mitch Marner, uh, having a full season of William Nylander, having James and Reamsdyke healthy. Uh, those are all big. Um, the goaltending is obviously a little bit more stable than it was last year. As good as James Reimer was, he didn't very, he play. Uh, he didn't play very much. Um, Frederick Anderson's a capable starter as long as he's healthy. Jonas Enroth is a big upgrade in the backup role for them. Uh, that can't be that that can't be um, understated. Uh, and I think where they where they vastly have improved is uh, on defense, particularly on the right side. Last year, their only regular right-handed shot on the point was Roman Polak, and as we all know, Roman Polak isn't very good at this hockey thing. Uh, they have three guys who look good we don't know for sure if they are good because they don't have a ton of nhl experience between zeitz of carrick and corrado you're looking at about 100 games of nhl experience to date uh, i thought zeitz have already won the norris actually jeff but well the norris the calder the hard uh also the vesna but um yeah, i was about to say if you check jeff's timeline you wouldn't know the difference uh well no if you check my timeline right now you would see how much i believe in frank corrado that was uh that was my thing last night was i believe in frank corrado um, but, um, but th- there's, there, there's some potential there. So Zaitsev was very, very good for, uh, for CSK Moscow last year and the year before many believe that he's been the best, uh, KHL defenseman for the last few years, which we don't really know what that translates to. Um, most of us, there are, there are a lot of us who believe that that translates to good things being the best defenseman in the second best league. Um, then again, we heard the same thing about Jonas Gustafson a few years ago, and that really didn't work out as well as hoped for Toronto. Um, you look at guys like Carrick. He had a spectacular run with the, the, the Toronto Marlies in the playoffs last year. He looked very good in his brief time with the Leafs. Uh, the same can be said for Corrado. Corrado came into the season uh, coming off of a shoulder injury, didn't really get the full time to recover from it. Um, then sat and waited for his, for his time to play for a solid two months and still finished off the season looking pretty good in his minutes that he played with uh, with Jake Gardner and Morgan Riley. Obviously, two very capable players who may have been boosting him up a bit, but we'll see what happens with the full camp. Uh, I've, I've, again, I think it's pessimistic to think that this is a bottom feeder team again. Even just looking at bad puck luck last year, that should be enough to carry them out of the basement how far out of the basement is a huge question but it's not like they're playing in a high quality division uh anything can happen if uh once you get past the florida teams it's it's gonna at least be the most entertaining season they've had in a long time and it could even be a moderately successful one now you know talking about the leafs and now switching to the nation network itself um, obviously, we know that uh, multiple people affiliated with the Nation Network have gone on to bigger and better things. But overall, you know, as the managing editor of Hockey Contact content at the Nation Network, is there anything in particular that you know you're looking forward to this season, at least coverage-wise, from some of the sites? I know that uh, over at the Wings Nation, there are two devilishly handsome guys that are you know doing as best as they can over there. Is there anything that you're looking forward to? Uh, well, first off, Wings Nation is a is a quality site full of even more than two handsome uh, oh, wow. people. I think uh, I think the handsome per sexy is off the charts at Wings Nation. Um, I, I I think the, that's really weird. It, it, <laughs> it's a little weird. Yes. Um, you know what, Adam? Let me have my fun. Come on. I, I I think with this network, what I've always appreciated is that we we've always allowed people to get creative 
uh, with their thoughts. There's not um, there, there's not this emphasis on just churning out um, a thousand quick hits and listicles. Um, obviously, we have some of those too, but that's because we we like variety. Um, one of the reasons we've had so many people go on to bigger things, whether it's media, whether it's working for teams, is because uh, we've always encouraged critical thought. And I think that's something that you'll see on all of our platforms is we have people who who want to ask questions because questioning uh, questioning hockey, questioning sports, questioning life is good. Um we we're in a weird position where a lot of these teams are on the bubble or at the bottom and there's always going to be things to to improve upon when that's the case and i think that uh the writing staff that we have uh are people who are who are people who can find those little things that they want to improve on and are always willing to give creative solutions as to why and i think you're going to see a lot of interesting writing coming out of uh, out of those people a lot of really young talented creative thinkers uh are on this platform that all that's been a trait of ours forever and i think it'll keep being one uh for the foreseeable future as long as we keep encouraging people to be themselves and be creative for sure without a doubt adam got anything else before we let him go um, yeah, if the Nation Network was on an episode of a uh, Survivor, who would you uh, vote off the island first? Uh, you, 100%. <laughs> I, I knew that answer was coming. I, I was waiting for it, and uh, I was not disappointed. I, I appreciate that, Jeff. Adam, how does that make you feel? Uh, I, I thought he would go with JD personally, but uh, JD Burke from Canucks Army. But again, it is what it is. I probably earned that. Um, <laughs> Um, I, I, ju- I just figure that JD has enough dumb clothes that we can burn for fire um, that we, sh- we we can keep him on for, for a few weeks. So uh, um, the, the, the fedora itself, well, we'll 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 keep we'll buy him some time uh, just as uh, just as fire fodder. So um, it's OK as Definitely. long as we're, I'm, I'm definitely voting you off first. You're a you're you're you're, you're a threat um, and you need to be removed as soon as possible. That's OK. With that being said, Jeff, we appreciate you coming on, buddy, and uh, talking some hockey with us today. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. That was a lot of fun. And we're back after that conversation with Jeff Vayette. Um, Adam, what do you think of the interview? Do you think it was any good, or is you know Jeff kind of a dull guest? Uh, No, he's he's always an interesting fellow. He's uh, definitely one of the most. uh, colorful hockey bloggers out there, uh, hockey writers. I, say. <laughs> I like how you were, I like how you were searching for words there. Like, um, uh, how am I supposed to describe him? I mean, after he threw you under the bus, there, I, I wouldn't blame you if you know you, you wanted to you know give him a shot right back. Uh, no, he's definitely a colorful guy. Always, always good to talk to. Always good to talk hockey about. So, um, definitely a, a good start to the podcast. And um, I think we'll just talk a bit about uh, the future of the podcast for those who are listening. Um, yeah, we're, this is episode one, obviously. Uh, we're starting right off at a, an interesting time, you know, in between games one and two of the World Cup of Hockey. So only so many numbers you can discuss. But um, I think really in the future, what we're trying to do is uh, be as numbers heavy as possible, you know, be really linking to and talking about interesting things we've seen online, uh, interesting numbers that other people have brought up, and uh, also sometimes bringing in uh, bringing in those guests, uh, so you know if there's ever uh, if there's ever a person who you you know think uh, has a super thought provoking article, we're always we're always looking to uh, to you know talk to them and talk to uh, talk to as many different people as possible. Without a doubt, and I think another big thing as well is that uh, people 
you know, look at the uh, NHL numbers community, not necessarily the site, but, you know, the advanced stats crowd around there. And some people uh, think, you know, it's too glad-handing, you know, too many people are patting one another on the back. And I think there's going to be times as well, at least from my perspective, I don't know about you, where I'm going to be, you know, talking to someone and I'm going to want to know something a little bit more about a player. Uh, I, I Sometimes when I watch James Wisniewski when he's on the Columbus Blue Jackets for all of his good numbers, he was someone, you know, who couldn't skate out of, like, molasses. So I, I want to know the correlation there. I want to be able to talk to people about that kind of stuff. And this isn't to say when people come on they need to be <laughs> uh, prepared out of the gills, but this is I, it's just I want to be able to provoke interesting conversation. I want to be able to talk to people about numbers in at least uh, a somewhat literate sense so that people that aren't too into it can uh, tap, tap into um, this, this new uh, way of looking at stats. Yeah, for sure. I think no. uh, definitely we just need to, uh, you know, we've got – We've got a few names lined up, but in the future we're going to be pretty much uh, posting on a weekly basis. So I think uh, I think the main thing is look for it each Wednesday. Yeah, each Wednesday, uh, each Wednesday night, I guess it'll be coming out. Um, so for sure, we'll um, yeah. I think that's that's uh, pretty much it, to be honest. Um, I think we've definitely got some big things planned. We'll be pulling in uh, some mainstream media, um, you know, writers from various websites. If you're ever interested, uh, NHL numbers are always uh, available to be reached uh, via Twitter DM. Um, and uh, we've, we've definitely sure. got an interesting schedule lined up, and uh, I think it'll be a fun year. Yeah, and I think in the future, too, we're going to end up trying to do a mailbag, um, you know, asking even the most basic questions to us um, and to some of the people that we're going to be having on. So there'll be an email address set up in the the future to make sure that you are able to contact us in a more direct sense. But, yeah, reach us for, uh, via Twitter DMs uh, in the meantime. But with that being said, you can follow me at Sam underscore Blazer on Twitter. You can follow Adam at uh, Adam underscore Lascaris on, uh, on Twitter. And how, how do you spell that, Lascaris? That's uh, I don't even that's, know. That's a tough one to spell. Um, <laughs> you don't even no, know. Uh, L-A-S-K-A-R-I-S. College educated, baby. I love it. But until next week, for Watch the Game presented by the Nation Network, I'm Sam. He's Adam. Bye.